When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host, Adam Wicklow. As ever, I'm joined by Reese Lane and Christian Brown. AWOL is Lee Clark today. Forrest reflecting on a first loss in the league this calendar year to Tottenham Hotspurs 2-0. Obviously, Harry Kane getting two of the goals. A spirited performance from Forrest, but that does not win you football matches, unfortunately. Um, we started off... With a change in formation, change well not a formation, sorry, in personnel, should I say? Morgan Gibbs White Ryan it started. Reese, did you uh, was you surprised by this? Um, no, not really. I think Gibbs White. I think I said that in the last pod, didn't I? I fully expected him to start on uh, yesterday. Um, I also say it wouldn't surprise me if he started on Tuesday at Grimsby, but he wasn't in the squad, so. You know, when you put that outlay of money out like we had for Gibbs White, then he's match ready because he's played for Wolves, like was said as well in the previous pod. Then he's ready to go into. Um, we all know he's Steve Cooper's number one target apparently. So, yeah, no surprise he was in there. Um, was a surprise Yates was in there? Not really. Again, as well. Um, I know it was only Grimsby before, but he was my man in the match midweek. Yates and he was a massive part last season of us being successful in the end. So, yeah, not not really a massive surprise. And I thought both of them amongst the whole team played pretty well, to be honest. Christian, what did you make of us not having an actual number nine? I thought we missed Tyro Awani largely yesterday, especially with, with the chances we created. What What is your take on it? Uh, I think what knows is it's maybe a bit easier to say in hindsight that we missed a striker because um, it was difficult because I think... It's important to mention how well Jesse Lingard played yesterday, I think, because you know, he was outstanding. I think he created the most chances out of anyone else in the front of the red shirt. And the link-up with Lingard, Gibbs-White and Johnson was superb. It completely bypassed Spurs' midfields. You know, Benteke was chasing ghosts. Hoiberg getting nowhere near them either. And it's only because of Spurs' brilliant, brilliant defending. And we have to commend them for that. I don't think I've seen a team defend as well as Spurs have at the City grounds, possibly ever in my lifetime as well as they played yesterday. And yeah, I think the downs, the 
obviously the balancing acts is then you've got those three fizzing it around and knocking it into areas that can hurt Spurs and getting Johnson in one-on-ones where he can beat his man and get a ball across the goal. But then you've got the other issue of none of those players have that killer instinct that a Rufus number nine will have where he will make those runs, even if the ball doesn't get there. You know, there's that saying, isn't there? Like you make the run 50 times, 49 times, it doesn't happen. But the one time, you know, you still have to get, to get there to be there. And yeah, obviously we were unlucky in that sense because we did make some good chances, put some great balls across and there was no one there. So it's an interesting balancing act for Cooper to sort of like delve with. Maybe it is something that can come in time, but I do think that maybe it could be different with a one starting, but then I don't know if a one would have been as quick in transition as some of those players to get us into those positions to begin with. So it's an awkward one. Yeah, I thought... Match of the day, Michael Richards highlighted it quite a lot that we was getting players into the box, but they were obviously looking for the cutback a lot of the time rather than having that natural number nine to gamble within the six-yard box to then like hopefully tap home. But like you say, Cooper was something to, to delve into. Reese, I just want to go back to Ryan Yates. Obviously, Oro Mangala wasn't available, wasn't in the match day squad. Um, it was meant to be that he was fatigued. Obviously, it's led that he's probably, a, he's probably carried a knock, but... Yates, I thought, held his own yesterday and probably had our best chance of the game. Um, but what, what overall, but what did you think of his of his performance? I thought he more than matched Hoybier and, and, and Benson Kerr in there, as Christian said. Yeah, I thought he did well. I thought um there was a clear, I thought it was clear evidence that his passes improved. I thought he looked more comfortable playing more awkward passes. So say if he had to control the ball um in the area of his side foot he would um, play it, like touch it and then play it first time and looked a lot more comfortable than um, probably, well, this this time last year um, because there was a massive divide, wasn't there? Um, he's, he's, he's improving all the time, isn't he? So you've got to give testament to the lad. Um, it, but it is only one game or so. But yeah, we, um, I thought he was good. I thought the whole team was pretty good. The chance... <laughs> To be fair to him, he's probably just tried to be a bit too clever. Um, I do understand what he's trying to do, and he and he, he does actually um, give Loris the eyes because Loris don't move um, and sends the header the other way. But I think if he would have headed the ball back from where he would have come, it would have probably been easier, and he would have probably just headed it straight to the bottom corner. I don't think Loris would have got to it, but that was one amongst several good chances wanted which we just didn't test Larice, which was a shame because for all the good work we did in the build-up the fact of the matter is yesterday we just did not test Larice enough and that's inevitably why we lost the game really yeah definitely just touching on the first Spurs goal then Christian it was they made they, they made us pay really five minutes in like they couldn't get out of their half and the first time they did it was a bit of a lucky break off a Lewis O'Brien tackle I think it is it bounces into Kudazewski's path I believe or Harry Kane's path and, and whatnot but you can't allow probably the best striker in the world that sort of chance and and I kind of have to point the finger a little bit at Steve Cook he he doesn't quite bust the gut to cover the ground to get back in and and get get into. To, to able to block Kane's shot, but you, you just can't let that happen in this league, can you? Really? No, I mean it was the O'Brien thing. It was sort of like it was almost like we were being punished for the amount of good fortune we had against West Ham, because <laughs> like oh no, that doesn't happen normally. Like it, it, it shouldn't. There's no reason for that to bounce the way it did and to fall the, like just so perfectly into that path. 
But um, you know, Brian was fleeced. Really, there was nothing we could have done. And um, but yeah, I mean, it ultimately does come from Cook dive. Exactly what we hammered more for last week. Cook diving in like yet Kane perfectly expertly just drags him straight out of position. As soon as that they get that break, that's it. It's like three on two pretty much, and so Spurs have the upper grounds. Um, I do think. I mean, it's a scuff shot from Kane. It's he hasn't hit it cleanly. If he does hit it cleanly, he probably doesn't even go in. But he um he uses McKenna as like a decoy, a sort of like sort of like um McKenna's sort of in no man's land at that point because obviously Cook's committed and way out of the picture. He cut. He's, it's either he backs off and tries to force Kane to shoot from distance, which is the safer option, or he goes to him and allows himself to potentially be beat because obviously he's on the back foot already. Obviously McKenna then chooses a stick, which is nothing real wrong with that. But it's not every day you play play against a striker of Kane's caliber. He's sort of like using him as decoy. Notices that Henderson's got no real clear line of sight. Almost looks to send Henderson one way and just obviously goes the other. He gets a bit of fortune with the goal, of course. It's not a clean strike, but he won't care. And normal Spurs. No. That was it. One nil them. Yeah, I thought it was good response. I mean, the, the the crowd yesterday was second to none again, Reese. It was it was excellent from from start to finish, and I think we we more than created enough to get back into the game. I thought Gibbs, White, Lingard, and Johnson up top's link up was phenomenal. I don't know where Morgan Gibbs White was playing. He was left, right, centre. They did could not pick him up at all. What what did you make of his full debut as well? Yeah, he's a, he's a lively player, isn't he? I think that was seen that from the games we played against Sheffield United last season. He is very like Zinkenagel, really, where he's not, you wouldn't say he's got an actual position. He just quite drifts around that front three area. I know Johnson is more right, but he's kind of goes central and left and he's like a little buzzy bee and he really gives white. So that's, was a crucial position for us last season. What Zinkenago played, we've obviously brought Gibbs White in because he's Cooper sees him as probably a lot better player than Zinkenagel, which, you know, from last season, most thought Zinkenagel was good, but we could get a better player in that position. So very similar to um, Ben Watson position a few years ago, where it was a key position, but it was more of, can we get someone better to play that position? So, you know, to move a team forward, which is, the case in this instance, I think. But yeah, he, he played, he did well, Gibbs White. Can he get there? Definitely. Um, the best move of the game in the first half where he put that chance over, you'd probably be looking at him take the target there. You know, he got he got the right, the right whip on it, but to put it over the bar, you know, you'd you'd be hoping he make he hits a target there really um, and makes Luis make a save. If he to be fair, if he would have put it low, he would have ended up in the top corner. I don't think Luis would have got near it, but yeah, he played well. Um, he's an exciting player, and you know, he's only, that was his first full game yesterday. So, you know, it will get better, and the team will get better. It's it is work in progress because, as we all know, we've signed so many players. It seems to go up every day on Twitter, <laughs> and it's it's the new Jesse Lingard wage. Into it. it's you know, I've seen an article apparently he was signing his twentieth player the other day, and we've not even signed that many yet. So, yeah, it is a bit of work in progress, and. After Wednesday with City, you've got quite a, a run of fixtures then where you look at this is where you need to be taking the points now after these two games. I, I'm not just going to write City off because you know anything can happen in a game of football. But if you look, if you know, if you'd be really with your head at September's a big month for Forest, I think. 
Yeah, we'll definitely get on to that eventually. Um, second half come, end-to-end sort of stuff, but Spurs come into it a bit more, Christian, and we're going to talk about the, the penalty incident. What is Steve Cook doing, first of all? It, I, in my opinion, um, it's descending off. I think we get very, very lucky with it. Um, I think you're probably right. I think that, you know, I obviously before Lee went AWOL, he did sort of say that it's not completely clear and cut that Kane gets there. Obviously, Kane's going to be adamant and say that he will get there. The replays weren't exactly conclusive, so I guess VAR couldn't really say one way or the other. But I, I don't know what... It just seems so bizarre. Like, again, it reminded me of when when Cook first started when he was clearly unfit I wasn't sharp and um, was it Derby he just completely wipes Lawrence out it's yeah. for absolutely no reason like he'd gone down to the byline there was nothing really he could do like he couldn't he couldn't really cross from that angle you know the best he could hope for was you know he might get a corner if he cuts it back and Cook just literally just sends him straight into lower Bridgeford there was absolutely no need for it and much like that yesterday there was absolutely no need for his arm to be in the air like it's like, it's like um, you know, he's going for a fucking Michael Jordan slam dunk. I don't understand what he's doing. Um, and, you know, th- there's surely better ways of, like, you know, even just holding Kane off than going up with your arm like that. And, I'm so, again, someone of that experience, you, you expect that from a kid. You wouldn't expect that from a seasoned pro who's played 250-odd times in the Premier League before. That it was just very, very, very poor from him. And, um, again, very uncharacteristic of his nature. He's been nothing but goals since he's been to Forest, apart from odd isolated incidents. That was just a moment of madness. And thankfully, he wasn't sent off because that could have been a serious bloodbath. Like, that tosser Chris Sutton's prediction could well have come in had he been given a red card then. I, I thought Cook was, like, largely, for a good period of the game, really good against Harry Kane. I thought he did well yeah, he to, win, to win a lot of the 50-50 balls and keep him at bay, apart from the two chances Kane really got. Obviously, the penalty save, there must be something in the in the waters down at the Bridgeford end because penalties just keep getting saved by Dean Henderson and his reputation and status of hero keep going up and up and, and that lad can't do no wrong really. Like, Can Gareth Southgate realistically leave him out of England's goalkeeping set-up? At this point uh, in time, though. Reese, can I have you say? <laughs> If I'm going to be honest, I think Pickford and Ramsdale are pretty much certain it is. Pickford will be number one. There's no doubt about that. You know, there was there was all this fraud, wasn't it, at the last um, Euros about whether someone else was coming number one. Pickford showed why he was number one in that tournament. And then it's between Pope and Henderson. If I was a, you know, I am a betting man, I would, this is not my personal opinion, but I would put money on that Pope would get in ahead of Henderson, personally. Probably because Newcastle that other end of the league is the fact, and Pope's been more in the England setup. I know you'll disagree, Christian, but yeah, it, I, don't it, buy that. I mean, there's, there's a few months before. Yeah, it is true. It is true. There's a few months yet before the World Cup. Anyway, anything could happen. You know, Anderson's form could drop. Pope's form could drop. You just don't know until it'll be. He's gonna be. You know, if even if he does get caught up, he's he's not going to be number one, is he? I mean, I'd love him to go to the World Cup. It'd be amazing to see in England squad and see Dean Henderson and then Club Nottingham Forest in an England squad. So, if he carries on his form, he's definitely with a shout without a shadow of a doubt because he's been for me. I know this is four games in, but probably so far player of the season for us personally. I think he's been excellent, and it 
you do have to kind of chuckle at people who didn't want Pope or Henderson and wanted to keep Samba because I'm, I love Samba, but, you know, this guy's streets head. You know, Emery, Emery, Emery Winter said it, I see you know, on Twitter this morning on TalkSport, he says Henderson's a Champions League goalkeeper and a man you must be watching his game so far, probably rubbing their hands together because his value is going up every game at the minute. So, yeah, you know, he saved two penalties from two England internationals and one who's an elite penalty taker. I know it wasn't as good as his usual ones yesterday, but, you know, Kane's a superb penalty taker. So, to say the penalty from him was, yeah, stock's always rising. Yeah, that's <laughs> I it. Kane, uh, that was, that was, that was like a... <laughs> Sorry, Adam. yeah. Kane has scored his last twenty-one penalties for Spurs before yesterday. I think the only the last time I remember a keeper saving Kane's penalty was Moritz for Kosovo against England. So it must be something <laughs> in the water. Casper uh, Casper Schmeichel saved his penalty in the area. He did, he? yeah, very true. Very true. The, Kane scored the rebound. The um the the proceedings of the penalty save. I mean, from Dean Henderson's waving of a cap like he'd scored a Test match hundred was phenomenal, and then. <laughs> we go up the other end and Nico Williams I mean I, you both can weigh in on this but he's had a lot of good chances Nico Williams in a short period of time and it's, it can't be too far from him scoring one but that is probably as good a chance as we got yesterday other than the eights opportunity I just want to want you to could he have done any more Reese? It's funny because the will you well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's funny because Williams' chances always seem to have the same outcome. They just go past that left-hand post. I think there was the same one at Everton, they're pretty much the same. It's, you know what that would have been? Do you know if that would have gone in? That would have been a massive turning point. I think we you know, you talk about Yeah, you talk about moments in football. Forrest had literally just saved the penalty. We've gone down the other end and had that chance. If he would have scored that, the crowd would have gone up another a load of decibels and Spurs would have been under pressure and they got away with it there. It's a shame he didn't hit, even try and let Lloris make a save. I mean, if, if he gets it inside a post, the no keeper in the world would have stopped that. But it's just a shame. Like, like I said, this is in the first comment, wasn't it? We just didn't test Lloris enough. That was the only disappointment from yesterday. You know, we, Forrest have done so well in the build-up play and this and that. But Lloris, apart from that one where he's come out and tipped to anti from a really good cross. He's not really done much, which that is the that is the shame. And then, you know, Everton, Everton, Spurs, because <laughs> I'm thinking of Richarlison, that's why. Spurs bought Richarlison on, who literally just added a bit of sting to the game into basically said to Remo Fuller, get out of my way. And then we switch off and it's 2-0, it's game over. And then the game was pretty much dead then. I know we had a bit of a spelling injury time, but I think everyone just fell flat into it then because, and that's what good sides do. Um, it was a, it was such an Antonio Conte team, like Christian said earlier, organised Italian old school organisation at the back, banks of defenders when we had the ball, and then literally their their turnover, they just break with pace with Son Kulieski. Kane doesn't sprint; it just moves into good positions and, dra- <laughs> and drags defenders out of the way so Son and Kulieski can make space it, it was from a neutral's head it was <laughs> a fascinating watch at times you know this is the level we're at but you know for Forrest, for Forrest to play how they did and match Spurs I thought for pretty much the whole game I thought was a testament to us it was just a shame we couldn't test Lloris more 
Yeah. Christian, do you know the, 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 the lead up to the second goal? Do you know what? I don't know if this infuriates you more, but Scott McKenna's 2v1 defending is excellent. And then I don't understand how we let someone be so free at the back post. I know it's a cracking ball from Richarlison, but that is criminal. It is. And um, it was Kuyate, wasn't it? Because I mean, like, yeah. Again, it's, there's two Forest players either side of Kane. They both sort of look at him and both sort of like give each other a sort of look like, okay, he's your man sort of thing. And both of them just leave him. And it's just like, oh, great. <laughs> You've left arguably the best striker in the world unmarked in the six-yard box with an open goal. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, yeah, it was just, that was really disappointing. I think that, you know, again, like Reese touched upon, with the exception, obviously, testing Reese, for all that hard work and all that graft and all that, like, transitional period, all that positive movement, to do something as silly as that, like, just simple, basic stuff. Like, it happened a few times just like, um there was an instant where thankfully we got away with it, where um, uh, Yates uh, just messed up a very, very simple five-yard pass. And within one ball from Spurs, some was in one-on-one. And thankfully, Henderson saved it and thankfully the flag went up. But it was, that's a lesson there. You can't get the basics wrong. And it's all one and good saying, oh, you know, they're going to happen. Like, I, <laughs> you're playing elite players here. These aren't, you know, these aren't championship players. These aren't, you know, your average Luton forward, you're playing literal world-class players. They don't need help. So it was very disappointing to see that. Um, and yeah, again, you'd expect that Kuyase, 32 years old. Again, you'd expect someone a bit more experienced to be like, slightly more streetwise than that to sort of like you know, just take responsibility and just man-marking yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I know we can take a lot of positives, but ultimately we have lost and we've huffed and puffed and, and not quite got it right. Do you, in, I know taking City aside, going forward, do we stick with this approach of no striker or does a one-knee have to play in the future or does it kind of depend on, on opposition, Reese And Christian, I will let you come in on this as well. Yeah, I think it depends on your opposition, really, um, because there's a lot of different styles in, in this league. I think, um, yeah, it depends on opposition. I think the next home game is Bournemouth. I think you'd probably need a number nine against them personally because you need someone to stick it. The the game's what you're looking at for when you're Bournemouth and Fulham's at home. You need someone who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net. You know, and I know that front three of pace is going to press well. And, and it did yesterday. It forced Tottenham into mistakes, especially first half. They gave, they gave the ball away got us in, but we were just either wasteful or a, that split second too slow at moving the ball that they got back in the shape and they saw us wide. And then we ended up either crossing it into the air where Johnson and Gibbs White aren't going to win headers against Dyer and Sanchez or was cutting it back and either Luis was claiming or they were clearing. They must have blocked, they must have blocked a dozen shots in the first half, I think, from us. I think, I think, a few times, several in one transition. So, you know, we're talking about playing an elite side here. Spurs will be up there this season, no question of a doubt for me under that manager and because he's one of the best in the world for me. And it was encouraging going forward. But, yeah, back to your point, Adam, I think you've got to vary for each game and take it as it comes. Um, <laughs> will we play them? Will it be 11 behind the ball on Wednesday night? And... But uh, as a joke, but nah, yeah. Each each opposition is different. Anything to add, Christian? 
Yeah, I, I think it's team by team basis. I think um, there'll be times I I agree with Reese. So I think against Bournemouth, you'll probably see a warning start because like you think to when we had them, you know, when we uh, when we lost one nil, um, the vitality in an instant where the ground didn't blow away in the wind. That um, <laughs> you know we missed Kevin Davis quite a lot that night, but Surrey still got quite a lot of joy, and. I do think that it will be a very similar approach going forwards. You know, it'll be on one, he holds the ball up and gives it to someone like Johnson or Dennis or whoever it may be. And they, they kind of cause havoc. Uh, also, we are the home side as well. So we're we'll looking to probe them and that will likely be a way through. So, it, but again, it, it's, it'll be the same in the midfield. It'll be exactly the same in the midfield. Like, it'll be the same of like, at the minute, O'Brien's got his shirt. When Frodo's full up to speed, does he take it? You know, that could be a team by team basis as well. Though obviously it's, you want a bit more of a settled midfield than you would a striking like, uh, trio but we'll just have to see I think it will be team my team personally and um, again I'm intrigued to see how what he comes up with for um, Wednesday and Saturday but um, yeah Wednesday will be a test and a half definitely uh, just before we get into predictions obviously uh, as just before we started recording Ren and Loddy's checked in it was confirmed by Fabrizio Romano the absolute journalist god Um <laughs> Uh, thoughts on, on Matt Reese, Brazilian international. We're signing from Atletico. Do, yeah. do, does he play? Do you, does he play left wing back or left wing? Because I feel like Harry Toffolo has done pretty well the last three games. Obviously, still Omar Richards is still recovering from his uh, hairline fracture. This gives Cooper another headache, but left maybe not. Left wing back for me, mate. Um, I agree with you. Toffolo's done all right. Do I think we can get? Do I think Lolly's better than him? Yeah, without yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so you've got to play your best team, I'm afraid. I, you know, this is my personal opinion. I've said this to you guys in the chat. I think Toffolo is more kind of a sweetener. We want, we, yeah, a sweetener. We want Lewis O'Brien. Huddersfield wanted to do the deal with both players. So we was like, didn't really have a left back, I don't think, at that point. Um, Forrest was like, for a couple of million, yeah, we'll take it on. Um I'm not going to start making predictions and etc. because the lad's done all right, Toffolo, but Lodi would, yeah. I'm not sure about Wednesday, but the Bournemouth game, yeah, be starting for me. And to be fair, we, you know, like I just said, Toffolo did do all right yesterday, but it would have been Emerson Royale kept bombing on for them. And Sanchez was isolated a lot now. If we had someone with a lot of pace on that left-hand side, we might have got a bit more joy as well yesterday because Emerson Royale would just bomb on all the time and he, he left that, you know, right side free quite a lot. So if we had a left wing back who was quick like Loddy, we might have got a bit more joy. So, yeah, that's an unreal sign, to be honest, because of the teams he's been linked with. You know, he, this is a guy who, not Manchester United, out of the Champions League last season. We're not talking six seasons ago, we're talking last season at Old Trafford. So, and, he, you know, he's been playing for Brazil. And I, I read that, which was interesting. The only reason he didn't get in the last Brazil squad is that he was unvaccinated. Because um, I was just seeing, um, reading up, seeing if he's in and around the Brazil squad at the minute. So this is a guy who could be going to the World Cup to play for Brazil as well. <laughs> so yeah, crazy, crazy. We've gone from in a year having Guy Tambongas as left back with respect to the guy to having a Brazil international there. It's um, yeah, fun times. Definitely. Christian, I just want to touch on there's still murmurs of Hasamar coming in and, and fans have now said that we probably need a another centre-half as well because 
everyone's getting books every week, it seems. I mean, all three got books yesterday. Warrell's one, definitely one away from a from a suspension. People are saying a fast centre-half that can ball play as well. Where on earth do you find one of them that's not already at a very good club in Europe? And... And and I think our coffers must be getting close to a, to a point of of naught. So, is that is that even a possibility of finding someone like that? That's not the finished art. That's that is a finished article, and we can afford. Um, I think so. I mean, it's I, obviously I think it looks like um, the Guardian came out and said, obviously Will Unwin saying that um, Tanganga is our number one target now, and that would make sense. If, I obviously you're right on the finance issue maybe it could be a loan to buy and um, obviously we've still got one Premier League loan left in the bank <clears throat> so that could be him uh, equally we could look at Trevor Shalabar at Chelsea depending if they sign for Fana which looks like it's going to go ahead so obviously that will then free up maybe his departure so I do think there's definitely players out there it's, uh, but I think yeah we are in serious need of some pace back there because that's that's the main concern for me just because like as, as solid as they are don't be wrong if we, like, I think if we're to sit in a deep block ironically actually against City those three might be okay because we wouldn't have that high line we would actually be quite compact and deep and you know in terms of that aspect you know head and kick at defenders they're all very very good but when we are coming forward and as we saw yesterday we were so vulnerable every single forward pass first made because they just couldn't keep up with play so I do think um, we missed Nia Carter a lot yesterday. And, you know, I think having Tanganga would be very good. Going back to Lolly very quickly. Again, unbelievable signing, like Reese touched upon. Um, especially, like, he was made off the market and Man City couldn't sign him or Juventus a few weeks ago. But, yeah, here he is at Forest. Um, it's bizarre, but I I, don't, I think we're doing a little slight disservice to Toffolo. I mean, it, Cooper did want him. It was reported that he wanted him. So, I don't... I, I, don't buy it. It was thrown into the sweetener. I think he wanted both. And I think we're just covering the fact that Rich is out and that Lottie, given his ability, can play further forward. So what you might see in the future, for example, if we had, say, Liverpool or Man City, you might have, like, Richards and Lottie in the same team just because they can just double up on that side. And you still have the pace going forwards and the attacking threat too. So it gives us more options to work with. Um, we might even see Toffoli play centre-half at this rate. Um, going by the suspensions, but we're likely to pick up. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see what comes through. But I do definitely think, going back to the point at hand, that we need a centre-back who can run. Because, like, again, we we missed it badly yesterday. And I think against the better side, you need someone who is rapid that can just track back in position. And just, just before we get into predictions of, of City and Bournemouth, obviously, um, I just want to touch on the Grimsby result. Obviously, a 2-0 win at Blundell Park. Uh, we meet Spurs again in the next round, so so probably not see well see them in November. I think it is. The three 0 Oh yeah, sorry, oh, but my bad. I forgot. Sorry, scored twice. Um, obviously, Rishi went to the game. What? Uh, just just a comment on on that on that fixture. Um. Yeah. Pretty. You know, new ground and it was an enjoyable night. Some nice decisions before the game. So, yeah. But on on the game, yeah. Forrest pretty much did what they needed to do in the first half, tune a lot. Sam Sawyer's is clinical in T, especially in the against the football league sides. And to be fair, Greenfield causes a few scares second half. Probably should have scored really. We um uh, switched off the ball a little bit, but once Sawyer's got out further, it'll game over and into round three. Just um, obviously Tottenham at home again in the next round. So 
that isn't for a while for some. So, yeah, yeah. some revenge on the cards. <laughs> yeah, uh, Christian, just want to touch on Zach Abbott becomes the second youngest player to play for Forest in a competitive game. Do, does this like kind of give an indication that there is still a hope for a production line to come through at Forest, even though we are now in the amongst the elite? Oh, definitely. I, I think um, obviously we've touched on it before. I, I just think that the bar just has to go up. I mean, you look at um, even Mighton now. Like Mighton was seen as better than Johnson when they were both in the academy and he's been sent out and known to League One. The um, He's obviously raised the levels. But yeah, any young kid coming through the academy, just look at the first team yesterday. You had Johnson, uh, Yates and, and Morrow all starting, all three from the academy. So there's definitely a pathway still there. I think with Cooper in charge, there's always going to be opportunities if you're good enough and uh, show the right attitude and application. You'll get, you'll get your chance, it's just, whether it be in the League Cup, whether it be in the league. I mean, um, you know, there'll be times here, here and everywhere where they might be called upon. So, if, again, it's just a case of, like, you know, absolutely just keep hammering away and you'll get your chances. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So, give me a message on... It's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese spelled R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. So just before we get into our production uh, predictions of City and Bournemouth, I spoke to Amos Murphy from the City Report podcast and this is what he had to say. So we've joined from uh, City Report podcast, got Amos Murphy here. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm all good, mate. Yeah, after a lovely bank holiday weekend of uh, not very eventful football, as you, as you can imagine, it was a quiet one. <laughs> yeah, but Erlen Arlen's doing all right, isn't he, for you? <laughs> um, I'm not too impressed, to be honest. I think City needs to, to look at trying to sell him. <laughs> no, no, I'm messing. He, he's, he, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. It's scary. Um, I, in the stadium, I've, I've never seen a human being so tall it's absolutely petrifying I wouldn't want to be a defender I can't imagine what it'd be like if you get impressed by him or if you're trying to make a, a go up for a header or a tackle it's like if you're playing FIFA on pro clubs and you've got that one lad who's got a, a seven foot two striker that, that's what it feels like when you watch him in, in in the stadium it's it's mental yeah but he's doing all right at the moment we'll wait and see so we've gone literally from Harry Kane yesterday to <laughs> Haaland on Wednesday night Who's the better out of two for you? Well, I this season I've gone Harry Kane in my FPL team um, purely I took, because I, I think, took him out yesterday. Yeah, my one rule is if I'm playing, if City are playing a team and I have their best player, not not all the time, but I have the best player in it. So Brennan Johnson's getting moved into my uh, in my, my starting <laughs> eleven this week, um, ju- just to cover all backs because I'd rather he went pointless and 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 than sort of miss out. But yeah, um, at, at the moment in the Premier League, I'll, I'll go Harry Kane purely because he's he's done it a number of seasons. I mean, I think he went to 186 goals or something like that in yeah. the league, which is exactly where um, Alan yeah. Shearer was at, at this yeah. point in his, his career which is crazy um but yeah I mean Erling Haaland has every every opportunity to go on and sort of I don't think he'll be at City as long as Harry Kane's been at Tottenham but I mean if he had the same amount of games I won't be surprised to see him up there with Kane, Shearer etc. I know there's not a lot of hope within the Forest community for this game on Wednesday <laughs> but 
you have let five goals in the last two games, which is like unlike Man City of, of recent seasons. Why, why have you been so leaky? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it. Uh, I'll start with the Palace one. And that was one of those games of football where you, you're 2-0 down after 20 minutes or whatever it was, half an hour. And, and to be honest, it, it it felt a little bit smash and grabby from Palace at that point. I mean, City were, were woeful. They started the game absolutely abysmal. The first half was diabolical, but it was a double deflection, an own goal for the first one, which I mean... A, deflection, a deflected own goal is usually uh, pretty unusual as it is, but then you have a double deflection. It, it, it's just one of those things. So six minutes in, 1-0 down, Crystal Palace's game plan going off to an absolute tee. It was perfect for them, perfect environment. They get a, a cheap set piece and, and a free header, which was, was poor defending, but that was sort of... It was a little bit weird. It was, you know, it was it was one of those games. But, but as for the Newcastle one, I mean, I've not seen City defend like that for... A, a long time, a really long time. And there was an injury midway through the first half, which sort of shook the defence up a little bit. But if we're going to look at issues and, and somewhere Nottingham Forest could potentially exploit, this season City and Guardiola in particular have been deploying fullbacks as sort of inverted holding midfielders. So <laughs> against, yeah, I know it, it sounds it sounds mentally and it is. And there is still a little bit of um, confusion as to why that's being persisted with, because against Newcastle, Alan St. Maximan had an absolute field day. It was like watching a, a PE teacher play against Year Sevens. He was taking the absolute mick. And then um, similarly against against Palace, you had someone like Erebicieze who who found great joy on that side. So um, you would be looking at those sort of pacey players in the Forest attack and going if. The, the the sort of the wind blows the right way and, and Forest can have sustained attacks and, and can get opportunities, which they will, because every team will against City. City aren't that sort of team, despite the sort of the ultimate control. City aren't that sort of team who who don't give away many chances. There will be opportunities. It's just whether or not Forest can be clinical enough on the counter-attack. I asked this because away from Forest, being a neutral, my favourite player is Kevin De Bruyne. Ooh, I think he's a- absolutely unreal. Do you think he's the best player in the world nowadays? Um, I, I, I do. Or is he in, I do. Or he's in the conversation? Yeah, yeah. I think he's certainly in the conversation. I, I work a lot of European football from, from my job, so I get to see quite a lot of La Liga, quite a lot of Serie A, quite a lot of the Bundesliga, and there are a few players at the moment performing at a level he has. I suppose the only the only uh, competition right now in terms of consistency in the last, what are we, in August, so eight, nine months, is probably Karim Benzema. Um, obviously, two completely different footballers in two completely different positions. But for me, I do not enjoy watching a footballer more than Kevin De Bruyne because the stuff, the, the way he manipulates the ball. And, and I suppose maybe he's, he's he's had a he had an off day against Palace. It was the first game and I think it was like something like eight or nine. He didn't get a goal contribution. But but even still, I think before the, the Palace game, he had 18 goals and assists in the last 13 Premier League games, which is... It, it, absolutely obscene numbers like I, I'm not even sure I've ever got 18 goals and assists in, in my entire just playing football in the garden and stuff like that and then, and then he's just doing it on, on Premier League matches just uh, uh, free will um, so yeah he, he's certainly performing at levels I don't think and, and there's, there's conversations among City supporters right now he's the best ever to play for, for the club and he's still what two or three years 
um, left on his on his deal and two or three years left at his peak. So, yeah, he, he, he's a scary, scary footballer. I would probably argue that he's he's probably amongst one of the best players to have graced the Premier League, in my opinion. Like, like but yeah, possibly I... even better than Gerard and Lampard and Scholes. Yeah, because he it's can do a bit of everything, and that's not blowing it... smoke up the bloke's arse. He's just a magnificent <laughs> footballer. Yeah, it's like... my, my my controversial opinion is he's the best mid in ever Premier History for me. Wow, that is my yeah. controversial opinion. Yeah, I know yeah you hot take. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the, people were shouting at the pod there. But, <laughs> the, yeah. the problem, the problem with super. the problem with with that is he, he's he's that good. He can take two or three players out of the game, but equally, City have got so much quality from one to eleven. It's absolutely terrifying. I mean, mm. I don't expect Forrest to get in City's half that much on Wednesday. <laughs> so I'm just kind of going for the experience. But is is there anything that you? I know you touched on about we could on on the counter we could get at you but is there actually anything you would generally fear from from us as a, as a side of from what you've seen so far in the first four games um yeah there is to be honest I, I watched the Tottenham game and I was mightily impressed I thought 2-0 while Tottenham were clinical possibly flattered them a little bit I know there was a missed penalty and and um they could have perhaps had one or two more but Forest were were impressive apart from the fact when the ball got into the 18-yard box, which I guess if I was a Forest supporter, my main concern would be all of these lovely, flashy sign- uh, new signings coming into the building. So like Tayo Oni, who I watched for Union Berlin, and, and he did, he was scoring for fun in that league. But how, how long does he have to have before... Uh, to, to get acclimatised to the Premier League and to get accustomed to the likes of Brennan Johnson playing aside him, Jesse Lingard in behind, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I would look at the players Forrest have, particularly in attack, and it, and it's as good as, you know, you could go up the league and you could perhaps get to somewhere like West Ham in eighth or ninth, and, and it's, as, it's as good as that in terms of the attacking options. It's just whether or not they can gel at a pace that allows Forrest to stay in the conversation before it gets... A little bit troublesome. Um, I mean, I, I, I was, I've loved watching Brennan Johnson. I think he's an absolute sublime talent, and obviously he's the star boy of Forest. And how long, how long he can stick with you guys, it will, will be a matter of sort of how where your trajectory goes as well. I'm guessing, but he, he's a player that I'm, I'm excited to watch in the flesh. I think he's got bags of talent, uh, and I mean absolute bags of talent. So I, I'm not also excited to see where he can go, but. I think I think Forest have have every chance of, of if 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 the 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 game plan by Steve Cooper and he's a supreme te- uh, tactician, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him having spent last four weeks building up to this game because it, it will be it'll be a big game for Forest, won't it? I suppose you know first trip to the Etihad since what that ill-fated FA Cup <laughs> in uh, two thousand and nine, um, and, and even before that, I think the last one was two thousand and two. So the, the not two teams who play against each other a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how Steve Cooper sets up. I thought the omission of a number nine against Tottenham helped until the part where it did get to the 18-yard box and it looks a little bit, OK, what do we do now? You pretty much said what I said in the pod we've done before <laughs> having you on. It was great build-up play, but we only had one shot on target. We just didn't test Larise. I am going to follow on from you and you said you watch a lot of the Bundesliga now. I imagine a lot of Forest fans haven't much. Can you tell us a bit more about Tywo? Because the problem with him is 
he's already caused a bit of division within our fan base because he is very unorthodox, very, yeah. as Adam described him, and I think a previous pod, arms and limbs kind of guy. <laughs> what what do you what do you make of him from what you've seen from watching him for Union Berlin? Yeah, uh, he he obviously I'm I'm sure you know his story, the fact that he was on the books at Liverpool and, yeah. and couldn't get a work permit and just sort of had loan after loan after loan after loan and it only took him going to Union Berlin, who, although obviously Forest have a much greater history than a club who who've only ever been in the Bundesliga for two seasons, in terms of recent history, the the trajectory and the rise yeah. from Forest being down in the in the in the lower divisions and then going up, it, it's been a little bit similar. So when he made the move, I was like, you know what, this this could work. He's not going from one system to another where it's massively changing um in terms of the play it is it is very much unorthodox it's very it's very um haphazard it, it it's all it, and what he does best is he brings a little bit of chaos into proceedings and, and it's similar in the way Erling Haaland operates in the fact that he isn't a player who's going to have <laughs> 90 touches in a game and he's going to complete 40, 40 passes and he's going to be involved in the build-up play for for that full match He's a player like you saw against West Ham when it we literally bundled it home by, <laughs> by whatever means possible. He's going to be a player who's going to be in there and he might only get four touches in a game, but if one of those a goal and it saves a point or it earns three points, that's exactly the sort of the the way in which Nottingham Forest are gonna gonna stay up. Um the obvious issue is do you create those chances and and as good as the build-up play was against Spurs, you take, I don't know, um Jesse Lingard out of that attack, or you, obviously Brennan Johnson would probably be in there. But you know, you take one of those attackers out, you and then put in the number nine. It, it does sort of crumble a little bit, and you surrender some of that control. Um, but last season, in particular, he, he had a great link-up play with a player called Max Cruiser, who, who I think went to Wolfsburg afterwards. But but they they had something like ten goals and assists with each other um just, just that sort of that, that sort of like Harry Kane young <coughs> son sort of connection um he ended the season with 15 goals and and that was in a team that really is punching well above the weight in Union Berlin in that in that league and I think if he can find a way and as I go back to it it's about finding the time and finding the the way to get them in the team long enough for it to be successful but then obviously if it's not working in those two or three games you're thinking right okay we have to take him out so it, it it's not an easy problem and I guess with the with the new signings what are we on 18 at the moment I think it is at, at the time of recording that's a big job to get all those players that glued in and I, I think that if I'm being honest that's probably my only fear about Nottingham Forest this season. I think in the first four games we've seen quite a lot of good good things from to considering how many players we've signed to be fair which is credit yeah, to Steve yeah. Cooper and 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 Probably some of the lads that were there last season in, in integrating so many. Obviously, it's, I bet they've I bet they've, they've got enough for a whole album of uh, initiation <laughs> songs. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, I don't want to keep you on for too too much longer, Amos, because obviously there's there's not that much we can really delve into. It's Man City. Mm. We're, we're we're probably looking to get to try and make it as uh, damage uh, damage limitation as much as possible. You can have a, an, an honest prediction here. How, how, what do you think the scoreline will be? Because it could be, it could be as long as it's not nine nil like Bournemouth got at the weekend. <laughs> I think, I think we're, we're quite. Yeah, we're, I don't think I, it will. I, the positivity oh. for us is we're hoping for like a anything less than like a three nil is, is a success. Really. I'm not. I'm not as downbeat as these guys. Are, <laughs> I think we're going to score. 
No, Possibly we'll score a goal. And the day we said in his previous, but if City are on it, they beat us. There's no question about that. But in you know, in one game of football, anything can happen. So you just got to, if you're going, mm. you, that's that's the thought you've got to go on. There's no point in going to the game, is it really? If you're just yeah. going for like a day out, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on. I mean, we're giving teams two nil head starts at the moment, so there's yeah. two goals already. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Forest took the lead. Um, just the way in which City have the last couple of games. I think if City have any sort of a similar performance as they did against Crystal Palace and those attacking players that we spoke about, Nottingham Forest will have chances. Um, obviously, the the stock answer would be you expect City to win, they'll be heavy favourites. And one thing I will watch is how much the, the City squad is rotated. And unlike Nottingham Forest, there is not a lot of depth in the City squad. And it's something that I suppose people who don't follow City would, would you know, you, you see City spending X amounts of money here and there. But when you actually look at City's squad list, it, it's very rarely over 20 senior players. Guardiola is quite strict on the fact he likes small squads. And as, as sort of, you may have two world-class players in one position, but they would also, in the case of Yao Cancelo and Kyle Walker at right-back, Cancelo will also play left-back as well. So City only really have, with the addition of Sergio Gomez, three senior full-backs. So it's how much that that rotation comes into play. Uh, the Champions League starts the week after, and then it's back-to-back-to-back midweek games until the World Cup bar one or two weeks, I think it is. So rotation will be necessary. If Erling Haaland starts on the bench, I suppose you'll all be having a big sigh of relief. <laughs> I, think he, I think he'll probably play um, on Wednesday and then we might start later on in the season. But yeah, I think you, you have to sort of have City down as a win, but Nottingham Forest will have chances. You know, it's not a sort of League Two side coming up against the Premier League champions. It, it, Nottingham Forest, for my money, probably should have gone up as as automatics last year. I mean, you see what Bournemouth have done this season and, and they're as good as irrelevant at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I think Nottingham Forest will, will put it about. If it was the opposite way around and it was at the city ground, I'd be much more fearful. But we'll wait and see. I, I, I wouldn't write Nottingham Forest off just yet. I'm just hoping for repeats of Nathan Tyson sticking one in and <laughs> with, his hand, with his head in his hands, really. But yeah, we can all dream. I, I we went can through, all dream. yeah. I went through City's lineup that day, yesterday when, when we were recording our own preview show and, and some of the players, I think you had Michael Ball, you had D, Diddy Haman yeah. came on yeah. as a substitute, he, Sean Wright he, Phillips. He took the throw in Haman because I went to their game. That's my only trip to the Etihad before. So yeah. obviously you've extended it now, haven't you, as well? So yeah. Yeah, I think I think me and the mates was like, oh, we're going to get thrashed here, and then we ended up winning three 0 Yeah, so, yeah, it was, so, it was mental. A great day that was. Yeah, it must, yeah. We, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, yeah, nice fun. one, mate. If, Thank you. If people can uh, want to hear your uh, perspective on on the Forest game, where where can they find you? Where's your podcast at? Yeah, so it's uh, City Report Pod on Twitter. Obviously, the usual disclaimer: Spotify, Apple, Google, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then a Forest review on. Uh, we'll probably go Thursday for that one. So if Forest get a point or get a win, then that'll be some fantastic listening for the for the Forest supporters. I'm sure. <laughs> nice Cheers, thank, you, thank, thank you very so much. much. We'll speak to you later in the season. Pleasure. So let's uh, talk about our predictions for City and Bournemouth. Obviously, Christian, I'm going to start with you. Uh, going to Man City in the on Wednesday night, uh, games on BT Sport, I believe. Uh, what what's your thoughts? Obviously, Harlan scored a hat trick at the weekend. Um, 
I'm terrified. Um, yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, um, I think um, no, it's going to be a rare time where I predicted to lose in this podcast because, like, as much as you can dream about maybe snatching a draw, I know they're vulnerable at the back. I know we might get a goal or two, but the thing is, City are so good that they can literally just flick a switch and score a goal. And there are very few teams in the world who can do that. In fact, they might even be a class of one, um, or maybe Liverpool. Uh, you, you look at the, you look at, you're looking at like the, the topest at the top end. Like maybe Real Madrid could do it too. Obviously, Bayern with the teams they play against can do it. But you know, to do it in England, where like the the, the money playground in the Premier League, you know, you have to be seriously, seriously good to do that. And City are. And we saw it at West Ham. You no, know, um, but the pass from the Broiler into Haaland. You know, the West Ham defended so brilliantly well, and then suddenly, bang, bang, goal. I mean, two touches of football. So, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to be optimistic <laughs> and say we'll lose two 0 I think it'll be a spirited display, and but I, I just don't see there. There, yeah, it's a case of picking your battles, and honestly, anything less than a three 0 loss is actually pretty good. <laughs> which sounds awful but um, they are just that good aside and you know like we said earlier the, the the battle for us this week isn't City on Wednesday it's a bit of a free hit the battle is Bournemouth on Saturday that's a must win and what's your prediction for Bournemouth? Um, yeah we'll win that 2-0 okay Chris. yeah City is City aren't they I'm, I'm not chucking the white flag I've seen a lot on Twitter like it's oh. I'm not just going to completely chuck in the white flag because the towel, should I say, because in football, anything can happen. If City play as well as they do, they'll beat us. That's just how it goes. Um, but the, like they've conceded five in the last two. So there is a bit of vulnerability, I guess. It's just going forward. I mean, I watched the Newcastle game. They were three one down at Newcastle. And I think they made it three three within a few minutes. So Newcastle looked gone from, looked like they're going to win the game to. City being level and on the back foot again. That's how good City are. Um, it's going to be... <laughs> you're not going to have a probably a bigger test this season, I imagine, away from home at the Etihad. So, um, I'm saying as Chris, I'm, I'm, I don't want to predict Forrest to lose, but if Forrest could get anything out of that game, that would be a, a bonus. And I think it will be 3-1 to Man City. Um, the Bournemouth game is the games, as we've mentioned in this pod, where we need to be winning especially at home. You know, I think we all predicted Bournemouth to finish bottom this season. They've just been absolutely tanked 9-0 by Liverpool. I know Forrest probably might be on the end of a 4 or 5 nil this season, but 9 nils bad. Like, really bad. Yeah. You know, to, I, I'd be... If Forrest lost 9 nil to Liverpool, I'd just think... I don't know what I'd think. Um, I think I'd have been out of the ground at half-time and it was not five, to be honest, because I'm just not sitting while them, that mob sing songs for the rest of the game. So, yeah, Bournemouth is definitely one. We've got a win. Um, I think it will be tight, though, because they'll look at it, to be fair, from their perspective. Um, they'll look at it as a game they can pick up a point or even three. You know, they had his number last season, did the double over us. So that fraud, Parker, will probably use that as some ammunition. Um, but I do think we'll win that game and I'm going to go for 2-1 for that one. Nice. So for, for my predictions, I'm going to say for City, I think <laughs> it's it's a write-off as, as you two have put. I'm going to say 4-1 to City and 
if we, I think if we can score a goal, I'll be pretty happy, but it's, it's going to be so difficult. But we've got the opportunity to play on the counter. I think we've got such pace up front, it, it, it could be one of them, but we'll, we'll see how we go. And then Bournemouth, I think it's two different sides from last season that, that beat us. So oh, their style is not so different, but ours is completely different. And I think with the quality we've got and what, what I saw yesterday, I think we've got more than enough to beat them and I think we'll beat them 3-0. And... And that's that. I think, so I think the key for that game, Adam, sorry for putting in, is we've got to keep that atmosphere up. Now you've had games against two big sides in West Ham and Spurs, you know, two sides who are playing Europe this season. Bournemouth, you know, we've played them, haven't we, recently in the championship. If that that atmosphere has got to stay at that level all season, whoever we play against, whether it's Man United, Bournemouth, Fulham, whoever, and teams will find it difficult. Tottenham find it difficult, West Ham find it difficult. So it's got to be across the board that atmosphere level every single game putting pressure on the opposition I absolutely agree mate um, so we'll probably see you for a review of the City and Bournemouth game next weekend unfortunately we can't fill the week in with, with that but we hope to see you soon I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast so far this season and we'll see you next time come on you Reds just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast this is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter. You know, use the Forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.